And welcome back to this podcast series called The Alphabet of the Heart. We're in episode four. And my name is James Kirby, and I'm here with Dr. James Doty. Uh, welcome to today's episode. Great, James. As always, it's wonderful to be with you today. And in this fourth podcast in the alphabet of the heart, we're going to look at the next letter, which is letter E, which is about equanimity. And if this is the first time you've tuned in to the podcast series, it might be helpful to go back and listen to the other three podcasts we've recorded. You can find them on the Seacare website, or you can find it in iTunes or on Dr. Doty's website. JamesRDotyMD.com or IntoTheMagicShop.com. And you can find and listen to those podcast recordings there. So last week we talked about dignity, the science behind it, as well as some practical tips. And uh, I must admit I tried to use the compassionate listening technique a little bit more in my life. I was using it with my wife Cassie because I know there are many times I can interrupt. And um, I found it actually to be hugely helpful. In particular, I found listening took pressure off me in order to find some kind of response. I often when we're talking feel this pressure that I need to solve a problem, even when a problem might not exist, whereas taking on the compassionate listening perspective um, just gave space and took pressure off, and I think it, it went much better. I haven't received any feedback from Cassie. But oh, I have. <laughs> but personally, I, I found it, um, when, when you engage with that intention, it's such a meaningful, much more meaningful interaction. No, you're exactly right, and uh, sometimes we feel as if we have to always defend our comments or our actions, and uh, even before getting into a conversation with somebody, and the reality is that um, looking at another person as an equal and that they're worth listening to or their ideas are worthwhile uh, is, is really critically important both to... Uh, make the person feel as if they're accepted and, in fact, that their opinion matters because what happens sometimes when you strive to give your opinion because you are attached to it, if you will, uh, oftentimes it uh, makes the other person feel intimidated or that there's no validity or at least you don't feel that there is validity to their argument. Mm. And when you step back and just listen... Uh, it hugely benefits the other person, and frankly, uh, more often than not, it benefits you. Oh, that's exactly the experience I had. So getting back to it, um, in today's uh, episode where we're focusing on equanimity um, in the Alphabet of the Heart series, um, Dr. Doty um, uh, coined this term, the Alphabet of the Heart, to describe a mnemonic he created, um, which is written about in his uh, best-selling book called Into the Magic Shop. And Dr. Doty um, is the director of the Center for Compassion and Altruism Research and Education, or CCARE for short, at Stanford University. And he's also a clinical professor of neurosurgery at Stanford University. And so today we'll be going through the same structure as per usual. So getting a bit of background as to why equanimity was included in the alphabet of the heart, going through some science regarding equanimity, and then finishing up with some practical tips. So, Dr. D, Dr. D. <laughs> Actually, people call me that. That's okay. Letter E. What should we uh, Dr. Know about D, this? letter E. We're a wrap for the... <laughs> We're having some fun now, aren't we? <laughs> yes, okay. So, letter E, what brought equanimity into it? Well, as you recall from our prior conversation, 
uh, conversations and uh, actually the book, um, what motivated uh, the creation of the alphabet of the heart was um, a requirement, if you will, that I give an inspiring, uh, motivating uh, talk to a group of uh, incoming medical students. And I reflected back on my own life and those things which I had learned, which um, have assisted me in accomplishing tasks and goals and sort of um, allowing me um, really to be the best person uh, I can be, or at least to have that aspiration. And one of the things I found was that often what can distract us and uh, uh, result in us not being present uh, is this idea of uh, variable emotional states. And of course, this is always going to happen in our lives. We have successes, we have failures. But one of the things that often causes us to lose sight of, if you will, the true nature of reality is this desire to always have um, the best things happening to us all the time, whether it's a promotion, whether it's a, um, a raise in our salary or receiving an award. And it really is wonderful to um, feel... Uh, that people uh, like you, that you're successful, that you're accomplishing tasks and have that acknowledgement. But the problem is that if you have attachment to that all the time, you end up chasing that and wanting that and feeling that it's only when you're in that state that everything is okay. And of course, this is a chimera. Um, while all of those things are indeed wonderful, the fact of the matter is that life is not... Um, that uh, invariably with the ups there will be downs and just as with the ups the downs typically are not long lasting um, and if you look at this idea of equanimity maintaining an equal uh, temperament about how things go in your life and appreciating and acknowledging uh events that occur that are positive, um, you don't get lost in them. You don't have complete attachment to them where instead of living your life, you're always trying to recreate an event that made you feel special or important. You should be in a position where you have a sense of yourself and a self-awareness that you don't have to have that type of an experience to care for yourself or to be kind to yourself or to acknowledge that you are a good person or a person worth loving. And the other side of it, again, as I noted, is that uh, we will make mistakes, uh, negative experiences will occur, and those also don't uh, necessarily characterize who you are. And invariably, uh, in all likelihood, uh, uh, they will um, pass and... Uh, you'll get back to your baseline or hopefully have a wonderful event happen to you. So having this evenness or uh, temperament and not being lost in the ups or the downs is really uh, critically important to happiness. And it was interesting, as you were talking about that, it reminded me of some of our discussions in the first uh, podcast where often uh, the event occurs 
And then as a, a, a wonderful human capacity we have, we can often then think of other times that has occurred or what will what will happen if it occurs again in the future. So even though the event has occurred and perhaps it was a good or a bad one, um, we can then prolong it through whatever we decide to worry about or perhaps ruminate on. And that's when um, equanimity can be particularly helpful at trying to bring us back to uh, the moment and try to keep that mental calmness and composure. And of course, equanimity is also one of the, the four noble truths of Buddhism alongside loving kindness, compassion and appreciative joy. So, Dr. Dodi, this brings us to the question, um, how do you go about bringing equanimity into your daily life? Well, it's interesting as I talk about in the book... Um, I grew up in difficult circumstances and um, there were often a number of uh, times where I felt depressed or down or unhappy. And what I found was that I focused on them frequently. And uh, as a result, it uh, caused me to have anger, despair, a sense of hopelessness because I attached to those emotional states and repeated them in my mind. And this is one of the things that happens is we have a tendency to ruminate. Sometimes it's on negative things or other times it's on positive things, which we hope will happen again. And uh, what happens, though, is when you're not present, when you don't have this evenness of temperament, the world reacts to you and people react to you because they sense the state you're in. And uh, as you recall from the book, I had this incredible interaction with this woman who taught me a type of meditation practice, and we've uh, talked about three of the four. Um, but what I realized was that by not having attachment to these emotional states, uh, not having attachment to uh, the failings of my father or uh, attachment to uh, an event that might occur in the future, uh, it allowed me to have a calmness about me that then resulted in others interacting me with, uh, interacting with me, sensing this calmness and not this uh, sort of uh, feeling that I was upset or that I wanted something or that I wasn't there or that I wanted something from them. When you lose this sense of attachment to an outcome, if you will, it allows uh, for you to interact with the world in a different way, and as a result, the world interacts with you in a different way. And uh, moving from from that, I think, into uh, what some of the science uh, talks about it is, is useful at this point, because in the field of uh, clinical psychology, for example, um, many are now recognizing uh, many of the benefits that can come from equanimity practice, equanimity meditation practices in helping us keep um, more of an even temperament or to help us maintain um, uh, that calmness that often we can look back on in situations and have regrets over what we may have said or not have said or done. So the research starting to examine equanimity um, in the science, at least, has has really sort of focused on it in a meditation um, approach. So there are a number of equanimity-based meditations one can engage in. 
And in a recent study in 2015 um, that was titled Evoking Equanimity, Silent Interaction Rituals in Vipassana Meditation, they found that participants who really had no previous meditation experience um, and who were uh, uh, who engaged in a, specifically in equanimity-based meditation felt greater senses of equanimity and peacefulness post um, the retreat. Um, and then that was also maintained um, at long-term follow-up. And so we found that uh, by trying to practice this specifically, and it's again coming back to the practice time and time again, it's not just doing it once, then you've got it. It's a case of maintaining it. can be very helpful um, to work with strong emotional reactions such as anger and anxiety. Equanimity meditations are also um, bedrock in many of the compassion-based interventions such as uh, mindful self-compassion or cultivating emotional balance where there'll be specific time firstly trying to recognize how our emotions feel in the body, what sort of triggers there are to these emotions and then how we can bring equanimity to those situations in order to help us to be at our best. So there are many benefits to equanimity. Um, some other research has found is it's, it's helped very much with um, stopping the burning of bridges, for example, with others. So they feel as if they haven't got that disconnect with others, oh, which is really important. And, um, and there are many other benefits as well, isn't there, Dr. Doty? No, that's absolutely correct. And... Uh what you have to realize while we're talking about ups and downs in, of life, in some ways uh, we're talking about attachment to events. And this is really uh, something that uh, one learns and recognizes that these types of attachments can often be uh, very, very negative. And um, again, one of the greatest gifts we can give to another is to be present with them. And when you're distracted thinking about what you're hoping will happen or something you want or uh, potentially something that may occur or uh, ruminating about past events, um, it uh, really uh, results in a negative effect uh, overall. You know, it's interesting as a species, uh, we're probably the mammal that has most evolved in the context of having a memory of past events and a perception of a future. And it is these two things that in some ways are an extraordinary gift, but in other ways are an extraordinary burden. Because when you are able to think of a past, it leads to uh, repeated thoughts about what could have happened, might have happened, should have happened. Uh, or uh, again, reliving events that uh, were wonderful uh, and in some ways this can be nourishing but when you get lost in that and always want to be there it's just not uh, the nature of reality and again getting back to what we said earlier uh, this perception of a future in some ways can lead to uncertainty uh, because we don't know what the future holds but it also leads to creation of a narrative sometimes that may not be best for us. And uh, it's recognizing this and again, having this even temperament that uh, people respond to. All of us know people who, when we're around them, we don't sense that they are off somewhere or they're trying to manipulate a situation to, again, relive something 
that may have happened to them and have it occur again or get lost in a negative event. Um, there's nothing we can do about them, so why hang on to them? Uh, the Dalai Lama actually uh, uh, has talked extensively uh, about this uh, fact. Yes, and uh, I think it's very important to point out at the, this moment that it's not about stopping those emotions from um, expressing themselves. It's still having the emotion. It's not stopping it um, or trying to suppress it, if you will. It's about experiencing it but not prolonging it. And then rather than reacting, perhaps responding in a way which is in alignment with your values. So equanimity can help facilitate that. No, that's, uh, that's exactly right. So if we now have a, a look at moving on to that, that the third section of this podcast, which is about providing a few tips on how we can start to bring equanimity into our daily life. Um, Dr. Dodi, do you have some suggestions on, on perhaps some uh, exercises or practical tips we can focus on? Sure. Uh, of, co- <laughs> of course. Put you on the spot. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> well, uh, again, uh, as I used the analogy in a previous discussion, uh, you cannot uh, release yourself from a prison unless you are aware that you're in a prison. And having this awareness of this tendency to grab on to events um, and have an emotional connection to them and that emotional connection affecting your physiology uh, sometimes in a very negative way uh, is one of the keys to this and to also understand the nature of reality we're uh, again uh, this evenness of temperament really is a very very powerful tool to get through life So really, I think the first thing is understanding this reality. The second is letting these emotional states, if you will, or events that you may recall or that may be happening to you, understanding that uh, they're only an event and they have no content, either good or bad, unless you assign that content to Mm -hmm. them. And uh, while this is not to say uh, not to enjoy an extraordinarily wonderful event or acknowledgement of your efforts, it's simply to say that that's a point in time. And over the long haul, uh, just being present without being lost in these extremes uh, of emotion uh, really allow you to connect best with people. And I think those uh, first two tricks by Ruth can be particularly helpful at providing, again, the context to allow equanimity to really flourish. And at this point, I think um, it might be nice if uh, we just go through an example of a, of a short guided um, equanimity meditation. So I'll take you through this now. It'll only be for two or so minutes, um, but it gives you an example of what an equanimity meditation uh, might look like. So just take a moment and... Get yourself into a comfortable position, sitting with your shoulders back, chest open, a dignified position if you will, and perhaps if you are willing, just gently close your eyes. And just start to bring a soft attention to your breath. Noticing the breath coming in and going out. Just slowing the breath down. If you like, you might like to count. So it might be in one, two, 
three, four, out, one, two, three, four, and just continuing with that process, that regular in and out breath, keeping a smoothness to the breath. Or rather, if you prefer, just notice the air coming in and out of your body, whether it be with the nostrils or the rise and fall of your belly. So we're really starting to notice the body slowing down and the mind slowing down. And now, just begin by reflecting on the benefit of a mind that has balance and equanimity. Let yourself feel an inner sense of this balance and ease. You might start to notice just within the body that the heaviness perhaps in the head is starting to go down and work its way through the body so we feel more grounded in our seat, more stable, stable like a mountain. You might like to silent re silently repeat the following phrase, may I be with balance and at peace. May I be with balance and at peace. Just reflecting and acknowledging that all created things arise and pass away. Joys, sorrows, pleasant events, people, buildings, animals, nations and even whole civilizations. Let yourself rest in the midst of them. May I learn to see the arising and passing of all nature with equanimity and balance. May I be open, balanced and peaceful. And now just bringing our attention back to our breath, starting to notice the air coming in and out again, and perhaps noticing the contact your body makes with the chair. And then when you're ready, just gently opening your eyes. Well, that was a very short guided meditation regarding equanimity. You can, of course, lengthen that out quite a lot. But the idea is to slow the body down again, connect with the body, allow it to have that grounding experience, almost stable like a mountain, and just reflecting on that phrase, may I be with balance and at peace. That was wonderful, James. Uh, thank you so much. Oh, no, that was, that was a pleasure. And so just in uh, finishing up uh, today's uh, podcast on equanimity, um, We've talked about a couple of practical tips there that you could focus in on, perhaps the intention in the morning, um, perhaps using the physical reminder of the beads, um, and perhaps also engaging in um, an equi equanimity meditation again. No, I think those are great suggestions. And just to remind people, uh, if you refer to our first podcast, we talk about uh, the history and creation of the um, 
compassion beads, which are a manifestation of the alphabet of the heart and contain 10 beads, one representing each letter and uh, of the alphabet of the heart, and one golden bead to represent the golden rule. And today we focused on equanimity, and in our next podcast we'll be focusing on F, which is for forgiveness. But thank you very much for today's uh, podcast, Dr. Dovey, and for your insights as always. And thank you, James, for that uh, wonderful meditation and facilitating these discussions.